With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Gigabit Nation, Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Fettles, and I want to welcome everyone in our audience today. Thank you for taking time to be with us, and uh, we're going to have a very interesting topic today talking about broadband adoption, but talking about it from a statewide perspective, which is always a uh, an extra challenge there. Um, we're providing useful information and insights to help communities and companies, nonprofit organizations get more, better broadband everywhere it needs to be, so needless to say, broadband adoption is a key issue once you get the the network in place and you've got the infrastructure rolling and so forth. You've got to get everybody on board. So, uh, and also today we have uh, a live chat room going on here as well, so for all you first-time listeners, you can hang out there, ask some questions, and, uh, and overall enjoy the show. So our guest today is Helen Rabin-Jordan, who is the director for E-Vermont, um, e which is a, the community broadband project. And uh, while E-Vermont is new, the organization that's a major driver in the project, uh, the Vermont Council on Rural Development, has served Vermont for over 20 years with numerous projects that facilitate Vermont's economic growth. And the, uh, the goal of E-Vermont is to increase adoption and utilization of broadband in rural regions by demonstrating the value of online resources. And I am, will assume it is correct in saying that economic development is probably a key goal for E-Vermont. So, Helen, welcome to the show. Great. Thank you so much for um, having me on the show today. And uh, I just got the weather report in Vermont. It's very good. Sounds like it's definitely a nice place to be right at the moment. Not that California's bad or anything. <laughs> we have these. Vermont's weather always as a nice well. place to be. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? What can I say? So let's talk. Let's get right into it. So, um, what is the state of broadband in the state of Vermont these days? Sure. Well, we've actually we're at an exciting time in terms of broadband development here in Vermont. Uh, we I should note, although we're not an infrastructure project, as you said in your introduction, uh, Vermont does have a pretty ambitious infrastructure rollout uh, planned right now for the state with the uh, intent to have universal coverage of broadband by 2013. Uh, so we're, we're anticipating having everyone uh, to have that access to broadband by that time. And meanwhile, uh, the E-Vermont Community Broadband Project works with those locations that do currently have uh, broadband available to increase adoption. And as mm -hmm. you noted, our focus is on the value proposition. So we are helping people understand how they can utilize broadband in a variety of sectors, a lot of which do have to do with economic development. Uh, so we work with businesses specifically, as well as working with schools, municipal governments, uh, public libraries, community organizations, individuals with creative ideas in our rural communities uh, to develop uses and applications and build that skills base for utilizing broadband in Vermont. 
Mm-hmm. So would you consider that um, a lot of Vermont is connected um, there aren't a lot of folks connected. I know that the, there's a broad there's a broadband stimulus grant program, obviously, and you have to define what the, the the goals are for it. But in the current state of affairs, are we looking at um, you know what kind of uh, adoption rate do you have currently? Well, the, the the estimates vary. So the estimate is about 85 percent of Vermonters. Uh, so households that have access to broadband. That doesn't mean 85% of the geographical state is covered, but 85% mm-hmm. of, of households, primary households, do have access to broadband. Um, so, and then in terms of the adoption rate, we are above the national average. Uh, statistics vary. The optimistic ones I've seen are at an 80% take rate uh, when broadband becomes available. My guess is it's it's somewhat lower than that, uh, but mm-hmm. certainly growing rapidly as more Vermonters begin to use broadband in their everyday lives as well as for their business and education and community work. Gotcha. Um we actually have an early caller here and um I'm gonna I'm gonna switch over here and hope the technology uh is faithful to me here today and hold on one second. Hello, this is Gigabit Nation. Hello? Is there a caller on the line? Hmm. Someone must have got happy and dialed a number by mistake. All right, we'll just move on and forget that one for the moment. Hopefully they'll they'll call back once they get their act together. Hello? Hello, Helen, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, sorry. I just I we've um we've never had a caller before and so I was you know, trying to get connected and that just did not seem to work very well. And they have disappeared, and like I said, hopefully they will will call back in a second. So, um, you were you were describing sort of the the, the broadband adoption rate, and probably should just pick up right there and move and then finish your thought there. Uh, well, actually, it was it was more or less finished. Uh, the the take rate is increasing. Um, it's above the uh, national average, particularly for rural areas, which seem to subscribe less than urban areas. So we are pretty optimistic in Vermont as a place that will not only have universal access to broadband in the near future, but really uh, to be leading the nation in terms of how widely it's used by our population. Mm-hmm. So what do you think have been some of the the barriers to broadband not being more uh used uh in the state sure um well you know the some of the best ways to illustrate the barriers are from the specific uh interactions that we have in the communities that we work with because you know we have the studies that show for people who don't adopt 50% say it's primarily affordability 50% say they don't have the skills and knowledge we have Lots of general stats like that, but uh, where at least I begin to really understand it is in the specific examples um, in the communities. So we have a team of partner organizations beyond the Council on Rural Development that work with 24 different towns around the state uh, to to really have an intensive work with those communities on, on various needs. So, for example, the Small Business Development Center has a business advisor who will uh, go in and provide workshops as well as one-on-one advising to Vermont businesses. 
and through that we learned that you know i you your callers or your listeners can't see me i'm of the generation that just assumes that everyone uses email obsessively all the time <laughs> so the idea that a rural business wouldn't be connecting with everyone else in the state if not the region and the country um through the internet is is a, a bit shocking um but mm-hmm. we have in fact found that we're starting off with businesses with a workshop on why would you want to care about the internet why would your business want to use online tools so we're really starting at that very basic level and then working our way up through social media marketing and uh, office efficiencies and then onwards to e-commerce. So it runs a real gamut in terms of the needs that are out there uh, for businesses. And again, it's that question of suddenly there's this new tool that uh, we didn't need to use 10 years ago, but Mm -hmm. now everyone expects you to use it. And we see similar stories when we work with uh, public libraries who have public access and are working with patrons who are coming in who've never needed to use a computer before, but suddenly that's how their children are communicating with them. Or when we work with town governments, that you know the town office is a great place to get public records, but suddenly citizens want to have those public records online so they can access them at any time of day. There are these these new demands that are really quite new in these towns, and so we're helping them meet that demand for using the Internet. And the um, will there be some sort of lag in adoption until more of the infrastructure gets built out? Because I understand that there's a number of folks who have, um, if they don't have limited access, then maybe the speeds they're getting are not necessarily that great, and so that becomes an issue. Uh, so, yes and no. From the Evermont perspective, we only work with places that have broadband available, so that have a good speed available. So, from our perspective, in the communities that we work with, that that isn't an issue just by definition. Um, mm-hmm. Realistically, there are always pockets within a community that don't have access and are pretty understandably upset about that. Um, so, so in in our worldview we're we're really crossing the infrastructure hurdle first and then looking at working with with people on on take rates and adoption so there is some sort of progression mind in other words you've got uh, some level of adoption and you're working with that and have been for what a year how long has e-vermont been around so we've been around a little bit more than a year um we really were fully launched in may of last year mm-hmm. and i should also add it's a two-year program so we've you know, through May of 2012. Okay. 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 So we're really in the just past the halfway mark in some respects. That's right. And and so you're working with um and uh, you're working with communities that have broadband, and then at a certain point you got to wait for the infrastructure to catch up into those places where they don't have it currently. Well, right. But it, but again, it's it's all pretty fast pace. I mean, we're expecting infrastructure to be available universally in approximately a year. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, our, our work in towns that already have infrastructure will last us well into, <laughs> the, you know, the end of 2012. So, mm-hmm. again, in theory, pretty soon that, that won't be a barrier in Vermont. 
Okay. So now you're you're planning and working on a statewide basis, uh, correct? That's correct. Okay. So in some respects, it seems like this is a variation on the famous Berkeley bumper sticker of think uh, think globally, act locally. In which it's basically pointing to you know you're you're planning or you're looking at the whole state picture, but a lot of the programs, especially as I was reading through some of the material, it seems a lot of the programs are very locally focused. So at an execution yes. level, yep. it's a community by community effort. Right, very much so. So the 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 primary work uh, is of Evermont is with these 24 communities that have applied to our program and in exchange they get a suite of services from our partner organizations that are very tailored to that specific community so i mentioned the small business development center the public libraries working on public access uh working with uh, local governments uh, to have an online presence there we also work with our partner Digital Wish on uh, one-to-one computing in the classroom, in elementary mm-hmm. school classrooms. We work with the Vermont State Colleges on basic workshops and trainings uh, for the towns. And we also have a, a program in Vermont called the Front Porch Forum, mm-hmm. which is a forum for community members to talk to each other online. And it's a it's a staffed project, so this, you know we're not thinking your typical listserv here. It's something that's managed. Um, people participate in uh, through sending in comments to each other. It's not anonymous. Uh, the goal is for neighbors to start talking with each other about a variety of topics, um, and that's been quite successful as well. We have some towns where 80% of their households are subscribed to this front porch forum to communicate. And then in addition to that, the Vermont Council on Rural Development has two community directors that help both organize the projects uh, that the partners are bringing to communities as well as working with local leaders to develop uh, projects specifically for that community, so locally generated projects. So it is very, very specialized services. At the same time, what we learn in those rural communities helps inform work throughout the state. So we'll also have regional workshops and conferences that bring any interested towns together to uh, share information and resources and learn from the experiences of both Evermont towns and just other rural communities interested in improving their digital culture and use of broadband. So now how are you measuring the success of these um, these projects, because if you have different projects happening at different speeds and levels of participation, you know, community by community, from the state perspective, um, how, how do you how do you measure success? All right. Well, <laughs> from, we should first have the context that Vermont is a very small state, so if you reach 100 people, that's actually a lot of people. Um, so <laughs> in some ways it's very easy to be specialized in Vermont because it's just assumed that everybody knows everybody else. Okay. Um, so, you know, the highly local translates to the statewide awfully quickly um, when, when you're talking about such a small and rural state. Gotcha. You know, the, the way that we measure success in some ways is – you know, by the community itself. They enter the program with goals for their community, 
and we help them achieve those goals. So in in that way, it is in fact individualized. At the same time, of course, you know we're we're not doing this just so one town with a population of 300 can have a better town website. That's very important, and we're really glad to help them um, along the way. But you know, Evermont as an organization is asking ourselves: Well, do all the town officers have training in how to um, get information online? Is having a website actually leading to more robust civic engagement in Vermont? Is it reaching that full goal of public participation? So we are very much asking ourselves those bigger questions and the statewide implications um, and working with the statewide organizations who can address those questions, who can change policy, who can provide training, who can provide support in the future uh, across our rural communities. In terms of measuring our success with that, you know, we've only been around for a year. <laughs> so right, it's only right. just now that we that we feel comfortable that we have a robust enough body of knowledge to really take it to that statewide level and say, here's an opportunity or here's a challenge or here's a very specific proposal built on our experience in 24 communities um, and what can we do about this. So it's just now that those projects are beginning to emerge and they'll each have their own internal set of of measurements. Is there a, I don't know, a worry that at the end of the the program in 2012 that your work won't be finished but the money might and and what right well we know the money will be finished <laughs> in 2012 so because this was a stimulus funded project and 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 there isn't the same source of funding available um on the other hand as i mentioned it it's a collaboration of different organizations so none of our organizations are going away and we're integrating what we learn um through our work in the E-Vermont project into ongoing operations and improving um, what we each do independently. So in that sense, the impact is, is, is more or less guaranteed to continue because it's being internalized uh, with our different organizations and the services that we provide. Okay. Uh, but no, our work won't be done <laughs> in, in, in 2012. Um, right. And, and 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 we address some of that by you know, developing freestanding programs that outlive us. And if there's a particular need, then fundraising around those particular needs, uh, though we aren't quite there yet. Right. Because this is um, a perpetual question that comes up. I mean, in fact, just a couple of days ago, uh, at the end of last week, I was on the phone with someone, and we were talking about, the uh, sustainability aspect. You know, it's like how many of these projects have been funded by the stimulus um, do not have a plan for how they continue after the the money is gone. And there are infrastructure issues that, that fall into that category. I mean, if you build a network, you know, you got to make sure that somewhere there's going to be money to operate it. And if you set up computers, computing centers, you know, what keeps those going? And it sounds like what you're doing is planning for that transition from, okay, we have the stimulus-funded program to we have life after the stimulus-funded program. Right. Is that a fair assessment? That is a fair assessment, and different partners approach it different ways. So some folks are more or less using this as a pilot, this a launching pad for going statewide or in some cases even nationwide. 
So they had very specific internal strategic plans, like um, Front Porch Forum it wants to bring its format to multiple towns around the state, not just the Evermont ones, and it's actively uh, cultivating that larger base, uh, as is Digital Wish, which has a very intensive program with equipment as well in schools, and they're building models uh, in the work that they're doing right now that they can then replicate across schools. So, so some are very intentionally um, using it in that way. Other partners like the Small Business Development Center uh, that I gave the example of learning that businesses are at really a much more basic level than we had necessarily anticipated. That's really important for them because what they've been doing uh, with Evermont is looking at how use of broadband and online resources either is integrated into uh, traditional business planning or needs to be. So they can adjust their business advising services to incorporate the lessons learned through Evermont. Uh, so it you know, it, it 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 depends it depends on the organization, but there but there isn't any one of us who isn't already uh, confident that we'll either improve the services that existed before Evermont and will be continuing afterwards, or taking things that are newly developed through Evermont to scale statewide. And that's that's not you know, money's always a worry, but the sustainability of these efforts is not actually that something that keeps me up at night. Right. But it sounds like a lot more proactive planning and thought went into it than I see in other uh, in other cases in other communities. And um, now was that was that um attention to the transition period in other words in and and the various organizations internalizing these programs, was that thought about before you guys applied for the stimulus grant or was that a part of the, I don't know, the exercise afterwards? You know, mm-hmm. where did that thinking come into play? Yeah, well, I should say it, it was in play when I was hired, <laughs> but that was, of course, after we received the funding. So I, huh? I actually am not sure how it was planned going into it. Uh, but one thing I can say is you mentioned at the very beginning the Vermont Council on Rural Development, uh, which is my employer and the lead organization for this. And our mission for the past 20 years has been to um, work with rural communities to build local capacity um, and to uh, help them reach local goals, as well as coordinating local, state, and federal policy and initiatives to have uh, the best impact possible um, on on rural Vermont. And so we've, through that lens, covered a lot of different topics. I have previously worked for the Council on Rural Development working on the creative economy when I was focusing on arts, culture, and entrepreneurship. We've also done agriculture. So to start um, from the perspective of an ongoing commitment to rural communities and broadband is a tool towards that end as opposed to uh, forming specifically because there's an opportunity with broadband as a tool, uh-huh. I think really has helped us have that sustainability component because this is truly integrated into the bedrock of what we do for rural communities in Vermont. Um, we're always going to be doing economic development. We're always going to be strengthening social services. We're always going to be doing community development and it's adding that broadband element into existing work that really ensures that it's going to be sustainable and at the same time really improves those efforts because we 
because we now have access to all of these tools and resources that we never had before there was broadband available. Right. Interesting, um, interesting approach. And so now you have you mentioned you have a couple of programs in Vermont that have nationwide ambition, which is always good. I'd like to hear a little bit more about those. I mean, did they develop their national ambition as a result of this project, or did they already have this goal and then the project became a way for them to sort of pilot test a a concept? I I would say that they've always had had that ambition, and I you know also in the larger context Vermont because we are small and um everyone does know everybody else <laughs> and mm-hmm. that leads itself to making it sort of easier to try out new ideas uh so we regularly not just in this project uh but in many projects think of ourselves as laboratories as a laboratory for progressive ideas and trying out new ideas um, with the potential to replicate it nationwide. Uh-huh. So I think that for many of us, that's always in the back of our heads. Uh, I used to work in local foods um, and agricultural market development, and certainly that was another field where Vermont uh, saw itself as being a place where you could experiment with with new approaches uh, to develop a local food economy. And the same and the same with Evermont. What we're really doing here is demonstrating a digital culture specifically for rural America. So we're looking at those rural regions that haven't always been seen as a hotbed of cutting-edge technology or digital entrepreneurship and truly demonstrating that that's a false perception, that uh-huh. that, that we can, in fact, both raise the bar um, so that everyone has basic digital literacy, but also generate new ideas, uh, new applications, new ways of engaging a community and using online resources in that rural context. So in that sense, we, we do hope to be a national model um, across all of our projects. Now, of the many projects that you have going on, and many of them sound uh, like they're definitely doing good Good things. Are there are there one or two that stand above and beyond everyone else that you see is really having a major impact uh, within the state as a whole? Yeah, we we have a, a well. Of course, the the pat answer is all of our partners are standouts, <laughs> having a major impact in this in the state as a whole. Um, right. you, you know, I'll highlight some of some of the things that have really. Added a new element to the statewide discussions. Um, I already mentioned the Small Business Development Center leading the way in integrating, um, thinking about broadband and online tools into the most basic business planning for our small businesses. Uh, you know, the interesting or one of the many interesting things about Front Porch Forum, that online community forum, is that. Its goal is for people to get offline, and this is something that's been a concern in rural communities a lot: is do these, does this virtual world, does this online culture disrupt traditional rural community, that strong community of folks coming together at the general store or the post office or town meeting? And the goal of Front Porch Forum is to have an online tool that helps people connect online in ways that spill over into connecting in the community. 
Um, so it's very much built around exchanges of goods, exchanges of services, new ideas that people share that then spill over into participation in local committees or the school board or town meeting. And we really saw that uh, this past month uh, with uh, Tropical Storm Irene uh, that led to heavy flooding uh, in many Vermont communities. And Front Porch Forum quickly became a way for neighbors to come together and, and help those who had, in some cases, lost everything uh, to the flooding in Irene. So that's been a really powerful example uh, of, of what these eVermont partner tools can do in our communities. Okay. I'm going to try to take another call here. We um, I'm having difficulties with the first one. Let's see if I can pull this one in. Bear with me one second. Hello, this is Gigabit Nation. Hi, this is Deb Shannon from Burlington, Vermont. Hi, how are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Doing well, doing well. You have a question for us, or you have a comment? No, or do you want I, to correct have... my statistics? <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, but I do have a question, Helen. You know, in Vermont, we, we are small, as you said a number of times, so that makes us a terrific testbed for a lot of different programs. And I think one of the things about the eVermont program is that it's so unique in approaching the communities in the application process to say, what tools could you really use? that we can share with you. And I wonder if you could, um, you know, thinking in a broader perspective, I'd like to think that other states might pick up on this idea. And can you talk just a little bit about um, how other states might uh, develop that program or what they might expect if they went to the communities and said, all right, what are your needs? Mm -hmm. Sure. And, and and we should also say that, that uh, Deb is, is very active um, in broadband work in Vermont, including through uh, working with regional tech teams with our regional planning commission. So what what eVermont does on a community-by-community basis, she's trying to do on a region-by-region basis uh, in Vermont, as as well as as being the broadband evangelist for the state. Um, the, you know, it's, so I'm going to... I'm going to paraphrase someone unconnected with the actual staff of eVermont, but who's in one of our communities, um, and and I think probably put it best. Uh, and this is Susan Clark, who's really the expert on uh, town meeting, which Vermont still has. Uh, our communities come together in person to discuss the town business every March. And in getting a new generation of folks engaged with town meeting, and, of course, she thinks a lot about using online tools to get more people engaged. Um, but I think her approach in that specific area is really just key to everything, which is that broadband gives us new tools and new opportunities, but it doesn't change the fundamental dynamics of the community in the sense that you still need to talk to people about what makes them passionate, why they're part of that community, what their excitement is for that community, and to some degree what their fears are um, in the community and as community members, whether they're speaking as business people um, or parents or whatever their role may be, and that the conversations really start there. And that's how you can engage people who don't self-identify as being tech-savvy because we want the tech-savvy people there. We want the digital leaders there. But our primary audience are those people who, who aren't there, who haven't adopted broadband. 
So starting with that um, fundamental conversation is what opens the discussion to everyone within the community. And from there, you know, for those of us who really are excited about online tools and used to using them, it, it pretty naturally flows to strategies to to meet shared goals as well as personal goals that combine traditional approaches with online approaches. And that way of framing the conversation seems to be what works best for us. Um, in terms of the specifics, we also at Evermont do hold public forums as well as speaking one-on-one -on -one with community leaders um, as well as meeting with organizations and writing op-eds and all of the standard community organizing stuff you would do. Again, making sure that everything that we do online to reach people is complemented by in-person work. Sending out flyers, knocking on doors, being at the post office and the general store to make sure that everyone is included. Now, is that exercise, you know, those things that you laid out, does that also help in developing consensus for what kind of program should be uh, in the plan or in the, the adoption strategy, and um, are we moving in the right direction, and are we correctly assessing the values and so forth of these programs? It does, and and what it, it really helps with is, you know, as I said, it lets everyone feel comfortable having their voice heard. So even if what they're particularly interested in doesn't become part of final projects or plans, at, at least they feel you know, at least they know that their opinion was valued and that it went into the discussion and planning as opposed to, you know, when we first go into communities and we talk about being from Evermont and working on broadband, the initial reaction is oftentimes a sense of disenfranchisement, um, that you're trying to usurp our traditional ways of communicating and coming together as a community. And we really want to make sure that not only does that sentiment not occur, but that that is not, in fact, not what we do at all. It's the opposite: is strengthening those systems. Great. Now that that makes a lot of sense. And uh, Deb, do you have a last question, or um, should I sign you off now? Um, hello. I, I I'm still here. Oh, hello. Um, I just want to applaud Helen and Evermont for starting at the community level and moving it forward, and we look forward to expanding the conversation as um, statewide government begins to adopt the kind of applications that people are learning how to use and gaining new access to the Internet to take advantage of. So thanks, Helen. Why, thank you, Tim. Great, Goodbye. and thank you for calling in. And actually, um, Deb brings up an important point about uh, state government that is an aspect of building up from the community to community to a statewide system. Uh, one thing, and, and Deb's been working on it, um, as have uh, folks in our state government, the question of there are many reasons why we would switch state functions to be a primarily online platform um, with efficiency, ease of access uh, in a rural area where transportation is often difficult, um, having another option for folks a whole slew of reasons to do that. Uh, we do hear from the communities a concern that that transition not run ahead of um, resolving the digital literacy gap in the state. So we are now working with the state of Vermont to uh, integrate um, 
digital literacy training in a train-the-trainer sense, so making sure that state employees and people who are helping Vermonters access services or information online to make sure that, that they have the training necessary to work with people um, who may be wholly unfamiliar with a computer, never used a mouse, um, or simply just are not used to using an online platform. So that's a really great example of uh, feedback at the community level playing into work at the statewide level and policy change and a change in, in systems and approach. And I think it's also interesting to bring out that this issue of training people who've never used computers before to me is a uh, much needed but often forgotten aspect of programs in that people will you know they'll rush to get the the infrastructure built which is good because if you don't have it you don't you know you're, you you can't even get online and then they will be creative in thinking of ways to bring people online but there's a whole question of you know what do you do to to bridge that gap between the knowledge of how to just get there you know how to open up the you know a web browser and really how to use the tools and I, and I think it cuts across all of your demographics whether we're talking seniors or um you know just adult workers whether you're talking uh people who are in, just individuals online versus people who are working for businesses uh you you've got to you've got to teach them how to use the tools that's right uh, teach them how to use the tools and also make sure it's the right tools that that the um tools are following the need versus uh, developing a tool just because it's the nifty new thing. Uh, and, and, and both of those traps are ones that we, we're we hoping that Evermont is, is avoiding in our community-based work. Well, it sounds like you have a pretty good handle on it, and a large part of that is the feedback mechanism. I, I remember when I wrote uh, my uh, my first book on broadband, which had to deal with municipal wireless networks, and one of the people that I interviewed, who's a uh, community uh, activist and does a lot of work within the community, is she talked about how when people first came out from the city to talk into those talk to people in the various uh, communities, there was a disconnect between how they were describing the value of being online, like you'll be able to sit in the park and do, you know, this kind of work and that kind of work and so forth. And she 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 responded that their response, their community response was, you know, really in our neighborhood, not a whole lot of people are going to be sitting outside in a park somewhere using broadband for a number of reasons, not the least of which when it comes to be, well, late October, early November, that sitting in the park scenario doesn't really hold a lot of appeal to people. And uh, But it represented that need to have feedback that goes to the folks within the local government or the state government that are trying to implement these programs and give them them a reality check. Definitely, and it's exactly that feedback loop that that is a a major focus of what the Council on Rural Development does, uh, again, in a variety of venues, but in this particular instance with with broadband knowledge, skills and knowledge of broadband uses. Mm -hmm. Now, do you keep some sort of master database of information because you have even though it's it's a small state 
you have a lot of moving parts. You have seven partners, I believe. I think I read about that are that are part of this structure. Um, you have 24 communities, and you have several projects going on with each within each one. Some are looking to be statewide. Some are looking to just stay local. Yeah. How do you keep it all together? Yeah. Well, we are, um, and and I have to admit that it's it's going through an update and overhaul right now. So it's not 100% in place. But the e4vt.org site, um, which I believe is linked from your site um, with this with this broadcast, mm-hmm. it, it, it is in a large extent where we're putting this information, and there we are putting both community stories, or we will be sharing community stories of particular examples of what worked in different communities, as well as developing toolkits, um, which combine materials that Evermont partners developed around specific needs, and as well as recommended outside links of organizations that that our partners rely on. so in in that way, we make the information continuously available. Uh, we have a webinar series um, that gets archived so folks can, even though our workshops may not continue after Evermont, the webinars will still be available for those who are interested, as well as partner pages where each of our partner organizations can provide materials uh, related to their specialty. Now, how has – and I know that you're – you may or may not be removed from the what I would refer to as the politics of broadband. A lot of communities, when they build networks and they put programs into place, there's a certain amount of incumbent pushback. Um, has that been the case, or is it considered a factor in in Vermont? Uh, you mean for the infrastructure development? Well, well yes. I mean, that's usually the starting point. I'm not, I'm not yes. sure how much adoption programs get caught up in that, but I know that infrastructure projects will often run into that because communities are pushing to have greater control, they're pushing to have better, faster infrastructure, and there's often pushback on that. Yep. Um, So, yes, (laughs) in the infrastructure development, there is, as could be expected, a fair amount of politics involved. Mm -hmm. And Luckily and happily for me, knock on wood, um, our program has been separate from that. <laughs> so we 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 don't have to worry about that or deal with that. I mean, we're agnostic. We we don't necessarily care how you get your broadband. We just care that you have it. Uh, right. So so we've we've been able to um, steer clear of that. Thank goodness. Okay, so Hopefully but that you don't have any for the next year, <laughs> right? But you don't have an advocacy role then in that respect. And, no, again, only our only advocacy role. Vermont's already committed to universal access, so we don't advocate except for to say, yes, please do reach your goals uh, with universal access. The primary advocacy role that we have is to note that in bridging the digital divide. Infrastructure is clearly necessary as a first step, but it's not sufficient. Um, there still needs to be attention paid and investments made in making sure that all Vermonters um, have true access defined by both affordability measures, which don't happen to be our focus, but that we recognize as very important, as well as that skills and knowledge that is our focus. Um, to make sure that every Vermonter has the opportunity and capacity to take advantage of this broadband as it becomes available. Right, okay. 
So I'm going to shift gears here a little bit. Um, economic development is obviously a big focus. Uh, I'm in the middle of wrapping up uh, an assessment of um, my national survey of economic development professionals. And next week, economic development is going to be a major theme at the uh, NATOA conference in San Francisco. And for the uninitiated, NATOA is the National Association of Telecommunication Officers and Advisors. So given this um, emphasis on economic development, have you seen specific results, even within this first year, um, of economic impact? I mean, beyond getting the businesses on online, because clearly you've got programs that are doing that, but have there been results measured beyond the the on, the online part to, to to say okay this is what we've achieved economically right so on the business by business uh, aspect of it we we track not just getting businesses online but are they in fact seeing increased business because of it mm-hmm. um, so we definitely track that component but it's also been reaching more fundamentally to the bedrock of how we define economic development in Vermont. Um, if you talk to Digital Wish, uh, which works with the elementary school, fourth through sixth grades, they'll say, we're really about economic development. We're making sure that we have the workforce of tomorrow um, here in Vermont, uh, that Vermont kids are ready to be part of 21st century companies and to succeed there. Uh, we also, that digital literacy uh, initiative that I described to you is in fact being organ organized on the state side in part uh, by the Agency of Commerce and Community Development as, as a lead sponsor because they see that as key, a foundational piece in ensuring that, uh, that, that we can have prosperity using online tools so that all workers learn how to, to use online tools so that uh, the Vermont in general can have a digitally literate culture as they try to attract uh, new businesses and entrepreneurs to the state. So our work has been not just on the business-by-business-specific business level, but looking at what are the foundational tenets of how we do economic development in Vermont um, and really getting to, to the kids, to the basic digital literacy, to the cultural question of is Vermont perceived as a backwater, which we don't believe we are, um, or as a creative and entrepreneurial state. Uh, so it really hits on it in in many regards. So from that perspective, you are looking at it as a multi, as economic development as a multi-faceted or multi-dimensional approach, not just uh, one or two elements of um, economic development. Very much so. Yeah. Vermont Vermont is never going to be the cheapest place to do business. Um, we're never going to have more land than the Midwest. We can give tax incentives for businesses, but there's always someone who can give a bigger tax break or bigger monetary incentive. What really keeps businesses growing in Vermont is that it's where the people behind the businesses want to be. It's where they want to raise their family. Um, it's one where they want to... Uh, not just work, but also live. So when we do economic development here, we're really taking that holistic approach to ensuring that people oftentimes choose Vermont first and build the job second. Mm -hmm. Find find work, create their own business, 
telecommute, whatever it may be. They've decided that Vermont is, is where they want to live and where they want their family to be. Now, one of the questions that is being uh, that I'm looking at in the uh, survey is to get a gauge on uh, do people see greater benefit in using broadband to attract new businesses, or should the first emphasis be on making the businesses that already exist in the community more uh, effective, uh, more competitive, more profitable? Do you have any sense, you know, from not even just with this job, but in, in other public policy-related positions, do you have a sense for, you know, should there be a priority between one or the other? If I only have $500 to spend, do I spend it in one versus the other? Or, you know, what's, what's your thinking on that? Gosh, well, I've never um, heard... I've never heard I've never heard it put as an either or though I suppose that everything is an either or uh you know so my instinct would be that success attracts success um if we invest in our existing local businesses to ensure that they are as successful as they can be then that becomes attractive to new entrepreneurs it allows those businesses to grow it allows those businesses to have employees that spin off new businesses so uh so I suppose that if I'm going to choose between the two, um, the approach uh, would be looking at what's already here. But again, you know, we don't see it as an either-or. We think demonstrating these successful, vibrant communities is a key component of attracting new businesses to the state. Yes, and, and to be fair, uh, when when folks get down to an either-or, they're they're usually not thinking of you only have one and that's where you go for forever. It's more that some some people will say. Uh, we'll work first on our own communities, and then we will go and, and worry about trying to bring people in. And they may take the approach that the businesses that are here have employees now, and if they grow by 10% over the next six months, they're likely to hire someone you know, immediately, as opposed to the effort to bring a business in and to woo them and do the whole dance that might take six months in its own in its own right, and you haven't even really gotten them there yet. They haven't even opened up a, an office or what have you, and so they look at. I think some people look at it in a sequential fashion. You know, first I'm going to do this, right. and then I'm going to do the other. And uh, our guest last week, who is the former CIO from Ontario County, you know, said, "Well, it's a three it's a three legged stool. You you have to focus equally on uh, bringing in new business." Uh, to uh, keeping new business, which is distinct from making the businesses you have more profitable. I mean, it's, it's fine hairs maybe between those last two, but there is in people's mind this idea that, you know, I've got two or three people that are on the verge of leaving. Well, then I want to hurry up and get this infrastructure in so I can walk in and say, look, really don't leave because we have this plan to modernize. And then you turn around and say, okay, what are our programs to help these businesses use this technology to become more uh, more profitable. Right. Which, by the way, do you have programs specifically for um, businesses once they're online? Uh, or, or maybe there's some other, I don't know, services or programs that complement that. Like, for example, in, in Tennessee, uh, one small community there uh, teaches businesses, and particularly home-based businesses, you know, basic accounting. You know, which is not a traditional, 
you know, service that local government typically worries about. But the idea is that if I bring all these people online, I, I create a, like overnight entrepreneurs, and they don't understand basic accounting and basic marketing. Um, it won't matter that they're online. Right, and and actually that's a very good articulation of of our, of our philosophy and approach. We work across a spectrum of online presence and 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 sophistication. I you know I emphasize the folks who it hasn't occurred to them yet to use the internet just because that's that was the surprising part um, of what we were doing. Meanwhile, we do work with businesses who are at the various stages of um, they're getting online or they're improving their online presence, or what we really like to do is, is help them use those tools strategically. So you know, knowing how it ties back into your business plan, being able to make changes if your online presence isn't working for you or the online tools that you've chosen um, aren't working for you. Uh, and, and then on, on the very, very other end of the spectrum, I've, I know I've mentioned a few times that idea of a digital culture and understanding that rural areas can be and are, in fact, progressive and entrepreneurial and, you know, may be inventing the next greatest thing since Thomas Edison had the light bulb and we can now <laughs> share it with the world. Uh-huh. Um, so so we, we also focus on that end of the spectrum in terms of defining that, that creative culture uh, for rural communities. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's put you in consultant mode here. I'm going to launch your consulting career. No, just kidding. Um, What's my but, fee? <laughs> <laughs> Let me PayPal you on that one. Um, no, but what I'd like to get is, is you know, advice to other communities about, let's start with, um, what's what are the basics of a good adoption program at the community mm-hmm. level? Like what does it yep. need to have, what kind of, you know, what factors are important? Sure. Well, we, we already, uh, in, in response to Deb's question, I talked a lot about framing the conversation, so I, I won't necessarily rehash that, but it's a question of starting where people's concerns are now and building from there and then integrating the, the broadband utilization side of things. Uh, we also work with towns to take assessment of what resources they already have in place. And one thing that's often underappreciated is the role of the public libraries, and they're one of our partners as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, libraries are can, in fact, be a center of public access to the Internet as well as finding online information, and in some communities they become real centers for digital literacy. Uh, so we want to make sure that uh, people in each town, you can present these great projects, if adoption is your goal, you're kind of presupposing that people don't have easy access to the Internet quite yet. Um, So there's a very practical matter of identifying locations where they can go to get that access and assistance. We usually start looking at the public library and we'll also invest in other public access points, whether it's at the senior meal site or an open broadband connection, and um, in some cases we've invested in mobile computer labs um, to bring to open connections. Mm-hmm. So that's, an, that's another key component uh, of, of what we do when, when we look at uh, adoption programs in the towns. Is to look at and your the, uh, institutions like the libraries. Exactly, that, that can provide that, that public access and how do you support that. Uh, and, and then the, the other side of the, the cultural shift that, 
that we talked about, you know, I spoke of you can't just reach out through email. You have to put up flyers. You have to go to the library um, to, to reach folks who aren't online yet. But it also goes both ways. So what people are used to announcing through the general store, we encourage them to then also post on Front Porch Forum so that there's a corollary in the you know, in-person and the virtual world for everything uh, that's being announced or, or how people are communicating with each other. And that also gets to the practice um, of using online tools and integrating it into their daily lives. So those are three really practical steps um, that we take that are really the basis, and then we develop you know, creative projects from there. We have a whole host of you know, streaming public access TV, uh, major digital literacy initiatives, uh, working with towns for wireless zones, launching tourist and visitor campaigns. You know, we get really creative from those basics, but we also need to make sure that the basics are in place. Mm -hmm. So let's move this to a broader picture as we are wrapping up here. How do you? What advice would you give to people trying to create a plan on a statewide basis? Right, cause I got. I think we got a pretty good picture of how you do this at the local level, but again, you're looking at you know multiple moving parts and different communities and jurisdictions and all manners of craziness. What are, what are your top two pieces of advice for the statewide planning part? Yep. You know, I actually have not found it that difficult to go from the local example to the statewide implications, um, because what ends up happening is that is this an interplay, right? The state makes a policy decision. We find out how it's rolling out at the local level. Glitches tend to be the same across the community. We report that back to the state, and 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 they adjust accordingly. It, it has so far been a fairly seamless feedback loop. Mm -hmm. What we're getting to next is being proactive so that um, the state planners can anticipate how things will roll out and we don't have to have that Oh, oops! We made a big mistake. We heard back from the community. Now we need to fix it. And so, and so that kind of proactive thinking um, is our is our next step uh, as as the state planners do and invest in this um, broadband adoption concept. And that's what we look forward to working on over the next year. Mm -hmm. And and um, your your group is fairly open to taking uh, questions and inquiries from other communities, other states as well, right? You're Oh, certainly. Sharing, yep. sharing the knowledge. <laughs> yes, again, that e4vt.org site, you can find mm -hmm. my email address right on there, and I'm always happy to uh, take questions, uh, provide materials, let folks know how things are working in Vermont. Uh, certainly very open to it. Great. No, that, that, is, that is excellent. Any parting thoughts, words of wisdom in a minute? <laughs> <laughs> You know, just what we said before, broadband something that is a tool. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's For infrastructure, it, it can be a goal in itself. Uh, for what we do on the softer side of community development and, and adopting uh, broadband skills and knowledge, it, it really is a tool. So it starts with what the community's goal is, what the individual's goal is, what the business's goal is. And we establish that first and the strategies for that first, and then we match the appropriate online tools to reach those. Um, and, and that's an approach that's worked really well for us, 
And luckily, as the online world continues to evolve and new tools become available every day, it, it begins to seem as though there we can't think of a goal that doesn't have uh, something online that can help us reach it. Great. Helen, I want to thank you very much for being our guest today on Gigabit Nation, and your insights have been extremely helpful. Great. Well, thank you so much again for uh, making me a part of this program and the Evermont Community Broadband Project. Sure, not a problem. And also I want to thank uh, Jay Ovatore, who's my uh, co-pilot, of, if you will, in the chat rooms. And also I want to thank our uh, media partners, GigaOM, uh, Broadband Communities Magazine, MuniWireless.com, and Community Broadband Networks. And, of course, you, our audience, thank you for being a part of the show and uh, join us on Wednesday. We're going to talk about broadband adoption but uh, with a very urban perspective, and I think that's an important part of the discussion that needs to be out there. So thank you, everyone, and we'll see you next show. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.